All right, everybody, welcome back to Horn Takes. It's the first edition of the bullpen where all we're going to do is talk about baseball. Texas rips off a seven straight wins to improve their record to 11 and seven. But what, is, what does that really mean? Before we get started, I know we're just going to talk about baseball, but I have to talk a little bit about Texas ba- basketball. 81 to 61 win over Colgate last night. Second tournament win in as many years for Texas. I know that's not a big deal for a lot of programs for Texas. Lately, that's a big deal. So we're excited about that. Texas A&M, you guys had one job. All y'all had to do was beat a Penn State team that was a lower seed than y'all. And I mean, you guys, you guys were already complaining about your seeding. And then you couldn't even go beat a team that was seated lower than you by by a good bit. So you pretty much ruined all of the state of Texas's hopes and dreams of of seeing a Texas A&M and Texas match up in the round of 32. So congratulations on that A&M, but uh Penn State takes that win over Texas A&M. Uh Texas has Penn State at 6:45 Central Time on Saturday uh to duke it out for a trip to the Sweet 16. Uh, sweet 16, a lot of people think that's Rodney Terry's sweet spot to to get the job at Texas. We'll have another edition of Hardwood Horns on Sunday. We'll discuss the game last night, and we'll discuss the game Saturday night. One other quick note, that Colgate team, uh, it, it really gave me flashbacks to Teen Wolf and all of the basketball scenes in the movie Teen Wolf, the one from the 80s. I, I realize there's a newer one now, but... Uh, for you younger folks, I'm talking about the one in the 80s, how all the players looked like, I don't know, like 45-year-old grown men. Uh, anyway, it's enough Texas basketball. We're looking forward to the game tomorrow night on Texas baseball. So Texas, again, has ripped off seven straight wins on this homestead. They've got kind of a, I think it's a 14-game uh, homestand that they're in the middle of right now. Uh, they have seven more. Uh, before they take a short trip down to College Station for a midweek game, uh, and then and then they go into uh, actually uh, that includes the season opener from a Big Twelve perspective with Tech. So they've got the uh, they've got a series with New Orleans this weekend. They'll start tonight, play Saturday, play Sunday, uh, and then they have Incarnate Word on Tuesday of next week, uh, and then Texas Tech comes to town. We'll kick off Big 12 play. Texas Tech opens up this weekend with Oklahoma State. I believe that's in Lubbock. I think this Texas Tech series coming up is going to be, it's really the first big test for Texas since uh, that baseball classic or whatever it's called that they played in up in Arlington. And then they did have a midweek with LSU, uh, Cal State Fullerton's not a good team this year, so I don't feel like going on the road uh, to Cal State Fullerton. It, it was really a test, uh, and they failed the test anyway, uh, if if you want to call it a test. But realistically, Texas should be fifteen and seven he- heading into this Texas Tech series. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about what this Texas team being fifteen and seven actually means. This has been a good sort of homestand for Texas, not only because they've won all the games. And and again, they're not playing great competition so far in this homestand. But all you can do is go out and win the games, and they've been able to do that. And they've been – it's given Coach Pierce an opportunity to 
uh, kind of mess around with multiple lineups and and see who you know which pitchers he can bring in and what types of situations. Uh, so I think you know for a young team, and it's not really a young team, but from an inexper- for an inexperienced team, uh, it's been a really good opportunity to just really see what they have uh, and do it in a manner where. Uh, you know, the stakes aren't as high. And, and we talked about it, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, a couple shows ago. We talked about David Pierce really not having a whole lot of time left to figure out what he wants to do with his team as they head into Big 12 play. I think he started to figure that out a little bit. We'll see. Let's find out what what's sort of going on offensively, defensively with this team. So we'll start with offense. Uh, offense has obviously been a struggle this year. Uh, and... And maybe it hasn't even been a struggle. It's certainly been a struggle when you compare it to last year. Uh, however, last year's Texas offense was historically good from a Texas perspective. Uh, just tons of guys with multiple home runs. They they smashed the the Texas single season home run for a team record. Uh, just a really good offensive team, and they lost six guys out of that lineup. However, the the offense has been a little bit better these last seven games. And again, the competition has been not as steep as some of the competition they faced earlier in the season. But the guys are just, if you know anything about baseball, uh, unless you're unless you're hitting against, you know, like the 90s Atlanta Braves with Smoltz, Glavin, those type of guys, if you're, hit, if you're not hitting against those types of guys, you got an opportunity to barrel up a ball. And and something that Texas didn't do early on was any of that. They just they just weren't making a lot of contact early on in the season. When they were making contact, it wasn't good contact. Uh, and and what we've seen over the course of these last 7 games is some of the hitters start to kind of get into a groove uh and 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 really start to make some good contact. Powell is one of those guys. He's he's really solidified himself in the lineup. Uh, he's he's over at third base. Peyton Powell, he's a junior. Uh, he's hitting 400 right now. He's only got two home runs, but he's got 11 RBI, which is, I believe, second on the team, maybe third on the team. And then Kennedy is one of those guys we talked about before the season. He's been at Texas forever. Uh, he had a pretty good offensive year last year, but he's never really been a guy they've had to depend on for offense. He, Kennedy's always been the guy – that you lead off with, and he can bunt the ball to get on base. He can bloop the ball just about anywhere in the infield and still get on base. He he did show some power last year, uh, and he's he's still doing it again this year. Kennedy's hitting three thirty three with four home runs and 14 RBIs, so he's having a really good offensive year so far this year. I hope he stays hot. And then one of the freshmen, uh, Duplantier, one of the Duplantier brothers, is hitting 333 with five RBI, and he's a guy that is currently not playing every day. So I think David Pierce is going to have to try to find a way to to squeeze him into the lineup somehow. I don't know exactly what that looks like. I've seen Duplantier play the infield so far for Texas, and I've seen him play out in the outfield so far for Texas. So he's kind of a versatile player, uh, so it shouldn't be that hard to find a spot for him to play to get him in the lineup. Uh, Mitchell Daly's a guy as well we talked about coming back. Uh, we talked about three main guys offensively that were coming back for Texas. Mitchell Daly is one of those guys. Moved over to shortstop from second base. Uh, and and he's starting to kind of heat up a little bit. It's it's uh, he, it's crazy. I didn't realize this, but uh, the other night I was watching one of the games against uh, – uh, shoot, who the heck were they playing the other night? doesn't matter. North Dakota State. Uh, 
one of he he got a hit in one of those games, and they said it's a ten game hitting streak for Mitchell Daly. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize he was already on a nine game hitting streak. His average not great uh, heading into to this week, but he's 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 done pretty well the last couple games. He's hitting three eleven. He's got six RBIs. And then the problem with Texas's lineup, and th- and this is why they're they're really struggling to sort of manufacture some runs. Uh, after that, you've got Garrett Gillimet, catcher. Uh, he's hitting 288, which is which is okay. He's got seven doubles, uh, and then you got uh, Porter Brown, the transfer from TCU, that's hitting around 286. He's got 16 RBI, which that leads the team. Uh, and then Jack O'Dowd hitting 284 with nine RBI. After that, everybody's in the low 200s, uh, some below 200, uh, and so the rest of the team uh, outside of those guys is is not regularly producing anything. Uh, and Dylan Campbell is one of those guys that's in that really low 200 group. And he's a guy we talked about early on in the season and before the season that is going to absolutely have to be uh, sort of a presence in this offense for this team to be successful offensively. Last year, he started out really, really slow as well. Last year, he, he, he really struggled to make contact with pitches early on last year. He struck out a lot early in, in the season last year. And then as the season went on and, and we got late into Big 12 play and on into the tournament, uh, his production picked up a lot. So I don't know if he's one of those guys that maybe just has to see a ton of pitches before he gets settled in. I don't know if towards the end of the last season was one of those deals where it was a fluke. You know, who knows? We'll find out. Uh, he's had some moments this year, but just nothing consistently. Uh, and I think uh, he's a guy, again, that that – we really got to get going, uh, especially now that we're headed into Big 12 play. Uh, it's going to be pivotal for him to to uh, help that offense out. And, I, I you know, regarding the, the lineup and, and where guys are hitting, a lot of these guys that are in the 200s, they don't get to hit all the time. So uh, I, hitting, hitting a baseball is hard when you get to go up to the plate four times a game and try to hit a baseball. Hitting a baseball is really, really hard when – you don't know when you're going to get to go in there to try to hit a baseball or you get to do it like every three or four games, uh, go in and, and get your shots uh, at hitting a baseball. So uh, certainly not being critical, just pointing out the facts here that the team as a whole is not hitting very well. There's a you know there's those few guys that are. If we can get a little bit more production out of that group of guys that's in the, in the low 200s and get them up closer to you know that 285, 300 range, I feel like this team uh, has good enough pitching that 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 amount of offense uh, will will be enough for them to to be a pretty good team and, and be successful this year in the Big Twelve. Speaking of pitching, uh, man, I I think the pitching staff has been much much better than anybody could have anticipated. You looked at the guys they had last year. They lost two of those guys to the uh, Major League Baseball or to the you know professional baseball ranks. And then Witt gets hurt last year. He's not going to be back this year. So you're looking at the pitching staff and you're going like, who the heck's going to pitch? Lucas Gordon was coming back and he did really well towards the end of last year. So it was, it was kind of a, I don't want to say it was a given, but you looked at it and you said, Lucas Gordon's probably going to be one of our starters, uh, as we start the season and he's done really, really well. Uh, LeBaron Johnson's got a 3.05 ERA. He's been the Tuesday starter for most of this season. 
Lucas Gordon is sitting at 1.77 ERA, which is awesome. Problem with Lucas Gordon is almost every time he pitches, they can't score any runs. So he's got, uh, I think he's made three or four starts, five starts maybe this year, and he's got no decisions at this point, I don't think. Uh, So that's a problem. Uh, But but Lucas Gordon, uh, really consistent arm. Uh, I, I think... You look at that weekend rotation, and he is obviously 100% clearly the guy out of that group of three. Uh, and then you got Zane Morehouse, uh, who uh, he's got a 305 ERA as well, struggled at times. And then Travis Staley, who's the Sunday guy, he's sitting at 5.4 ERA. And he is he struggled a lot uh, on those Sundays. He's really uh, – the last time I saw him pitch – was against Cal State Fullerton, and he started off the game just horribly. And then once he settled in, it was really good. So I think Staley's problem, at least to this point, is is just consistency. Uh, and again, maybe going out there and pitching some more, uh, he he gets a little more consistent. Uh, but we talked about you know Pierce monkeying with the with the lineup and and trying to figure out where he can fit guys in and get the you know the right mix of defense and offense and and all that stuff uh in the lineup he's starting to do a little bit with the pitching staff and some interesting things happened in that North Dakota State sort of mini series they played two games back to back with them midweek LeBaron Johnson made the start on Tuesday against North Dakota State which he would normally do but he only threw 25 pitches and then they pulled him out uh, and it wasn't due to injury. Uh, it wasn't due uh, to him performing badly uh, at all. Uh, he was pitching a really nice game, uh, and they took him out of the game. And then later on that game, we saw Zane Morehouse, who's the Saturday starter, come in and close that game. Then on Wednesday, we saw Ace Whitehead, who's a guy I'll talk about a little later. Uh, he got the start on Wednesday night. And so here's what I think Pierce is is thinking, and we'll see. I could be totally off by this, but I think what we're going to see is that Tuesday start for LBJ was just, uh, hey, he's been starting on Tuesday. Let's get him out there. Let's let's get him throwing some pitches so he doesn't so he doesn't have almost two weeks in between starts. I think LBJ will be the Saturday starter this weekend. So that's something to look for. Uh, from a pitching change perspective, when you look at the starters, he may even move to Sunday. I don't know, uh, but he's going to start either Saturday or Sunday, my thinking. And then I think Morehouse, who did a really good job coming in and closing the game out against North Dakota State, I think he's going to move into the bullpen, and he's going to sort of be that closer role for the Texas Longhorns. And then I'm not quite sure about this one, just kind of the timing of it. So Whitehead's been a guy that that has – He's he's batting the lineup. He's played left field, right field, probably center field, maybe. Uh, he's an outfield guy. He's a really good athlete. Kid played uh, quarterback in high school at Land Passes. Uh, led led some uh, a couple of really deep runs into the playoffs for Land Passes. Uh, so he's a really athletic guy. He can play any of the outfield positions. And last year, this kid hit like five hundred. He can also pitch though. And I don't want to I don't want to waste too much time on on that deal, but. What I think with with Whitehead is he might end up being the Tuesday starter. I thought it was interesting to see he's been pitched mostly out of the bullpen this season, uh, and so it was. I don't think he started any games this season. So it could just be that they had an extra game in in the middle of the week, and obviously somebody's got to start that. So maybe he was that guy, or maybe Pierce is thinking this guy could be my new Tuesday guy. So we'll see what happens with that over the course of the next four games for Texas. Uh, 
the rest of the bullpen has been really, really good. Uh, almost everybody in the bullpen has a sub three or right at three ERA. There's three guys out of that bullpen that have struggled this year. Uh, DJ Burke, Chris Stewart, Sam Walbridge. Um, those guys aren't getting a ton of looks right now. Uh, but, but the bullpen, I think, uh, and again, you know, it, it all matters who you're pitching to, right? But I think they look pretty good. And I think, uh, again, that, that pitching staff is really going to be a, a strength for this team this year after, you know, before the season, we were thinking, man, this could be a huge question mark. Who's going to pitch? So that part has turned out obviously much better than, than any Texas fans should have expected. You got wit that's coming back from Tommy John surgery uh, and a little update on wit uh, Tanner. He's, uh, he's been throwing bullpens. He's been throwing off the mound uh, and he started adding breaking pitches to his bullpen. So, I have no idea what the timeline looks like for a Tommy John, except I've heard it's a very long process. I would think throwing bullpens, throwing off a mound, and then and then maybe throwing breaking pitches is that's probably like your one of your last main gates, uh, your last main things you need to accomplish before you can uh, start trying to work your way back in and pitch a little bit. So he hasn't. Uh, they interview him a lot during the games on Longhorn Network, and he hasn't he hasn't been very specific about when he thinks he'll be back. Uh, but he's very happy with the progress. I don't know. We may not see him back this year. I, re- I really don't know. Uh, I hope we do because Tanner Witt's one of those guys. He's a lot like LeBaron Johnson Jr., who we've talked about a little earlier. Just really powerful stuff uh, f- with the fastball, and then and then a lot of wipeout off speed stuff. That if he can if he can command his fastball, uh, his, his off speed stuff is just really really tough on hitters. So. What's all this mean? So we've talked about the offense. We talked all the de- about the defense and the pitching, uh, which, by the way, we didn't talk about defense. But the defense, uh, it's okay. They make some mistakes. Uh, they're not they're not one of these uh, Augie teams that that was almost perfect. Uh, I don't think I don't think this team is going to set any kind of records for double plays for for Texas Longhorns or anything like that. Uh, but I feel like they're adequate. I mean, they're again. They're not great. They're not like some of these great teams we've had in the past defensively, but they're not like an absolute shit show either. So what does all that mean? Uh, At this point, I don't think it means a whole hell of a lot. They've played, what, 18 games to this point. Uh, Some of those games they've looked really good. Some of them they've looked really bad. There's been times against good competition that they've looked pretty good. Like, you know, they, they belong out there. And then there's been other times where they look like they don't belong uh they've made this this seven game run it's been at home and it's been against really weak opponents but they can't do anything about what's on the schedule all they can go out and do is try to win those games and they've done that uh as we said before they've they've had some time to kind of tweak some stuff getting ready uh for big 12 play and i really think this weekend and next week uh is is where we're going to see exactly what you know, barring injury and barring just total meltdown, and Pierce goes, "Man, that was the wrong. That was the wrong way to head. We we went in the wrong direction. We need to fix this." I think Pierce has an idea of what he wants to do uh, from a pitching staff perspective and from that lineup perspective headed into uh, Big Twelve play. Um, I think you know. I think this Texas team is talented. I think they're talented enough, and I think the pitching is good enough that that they you know they have a shot at the Big Twelve. Uh, at being really good in the Big 12, and they have a shot at getting into the tournament. 
uh, and and maybe making some noise there. I I don't think at this point, by any stretch of the imagination, that this is a super regional team. I certainly don't think this is a college World Series team, but I think they're good enough to make it into postseason. So we'll we'll kind of see how that. I mean, for me, looking at 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 what all they lost uh, and how the season has started so far, making it to the postseason would kind of be a huge deal for this team. So we'll see where they end up. Uh, I think we're about to find out really quickly, you know, what this team is and 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 what we can realistically expect the rest of the season. These guys have Tech at home. Tech's a really good team, and Tech is a Tech is a team offensively that just beats the ball up. I mean, they. I don't know who their hitting coach is, and I don't even know if it's the same guy that's been there the whole time with Tadlock, but. I love the way they are aggressive. They are like first pitch strike. I'm going after it. First pitch fastball. You're about to get a cut, uh, and, and these dudes don't get cheated. Uh, they swing hard and and they and they make good contact. And when they're on time, with that sort of focus and that game plan, they're they're tough to uh, to beat uh, because they can just hit the ball so well. Then Texas goes on the road to play Texas A&M. I know. Texas start Texas A&M started the season highly rated. Uh, they had a a couple of bobbles early on. Uh, I don't know what the rest of their season has looked like to this point. My assumption it would be they're still a top twenty five team uh, unless the wheels have completely come off. Uh, so that'll be a good test. Uh, they'll be ready to play. They hate them some Texas. Texas hates them some some Texas A and M. So uh, that'll be a fun one. Uh, and then they got to go to Oklahoma State, which I think. Uh, you look at the you look at the really good teams in the Big Twelve this year, and I think you're looking at TCU, you're looking at Oklahoma State, and you're looking at uh, Texas Tech, uh, and and there may be a surprise in there, uh, one or two surprises in there. We don't know, uh, but I think that's that's pretty much what you're going to get uh, from from the top of the Big Twelve this year. So they've got two series with with those three groups right off the bat, and then they play. Uh, I think they have some easier series, and I call them easy. I just simply mean these teams aren't highly rated teams in the Big 12, aren't expected to do much in the Big 12. Uh, I certainly don't think there'll be an easy series in the Big 12 for Texas uh, before they go and play uh, TCU. Uh, so so that's seven games right there against you know really good competition. So I think uh, once this Big 12 play kicks off and we get a couple of weekends into it, we're going to kind of have a sense of, you know, really what this Texas team could accomplish moving forward. SEC scheduling came out, uh, some some guidance on SEC scheduling for baseball. There's already been tons of talk about the football scheduling, how that's going to work out. I actually think the SEC dropped some information on, on a whole lot of the Olympic sports, gymnastics, swimming, diving, all that stuff. Uh, but from a baseball perspective, they're going to get two permanent opponents, so there'll be two teams assigned to every SEC school in 2024, which actually it'll be 2025 when the when the first SEC season with Texas and Oklahoma kicks off for baseball. Each team will have two permanent opponents that they play a series with, and then there'll be eight rotating opponents every year for a total of 30 conference games. I don't really know what I think about that. Uh, I, you know, I think it's cool that that the SEC is is going to be this really big conference, but I do also kind of think that, how, like, how are they going to? I, I want to see the rule book and I want to see like the tiebreak rules because there's going to have to be some crazy. There was crazy tiebreak rules in the Big Twelve 
with 10 teams that was playing it. They're all playing each other. So surely there's going to be just some outrageously long, ridiculous, impossible to understand tiebreak rules in this new SEC. So anyway, I'll be interested to see that. Let's finish it up today with the mailbag. Uh, Occasionally people will send me questions. Occasionally people will ask me questions on uh, various uh, social medias. And I got a question about Ace Whitehead, and we talked a little bit about him earlier. What do I think of Ace Whitehead? I, I think Ace Whitehead's a really good ball player. I said it before, super athletic kid. Last year, and, and I think he had like 17 or 18 at-bats last year. He was hitting 500. Uh, he beat the ball up really good. He's a lefty, uh, lefty hitter, lefty pitcher. Uh, pitching, he's got low to mid nineties, uh, fastball, really nice breaking pitches when it's on. Uh, I, he's young. He's, he was a freshman last year. He's a, a true sophomore this year. So he's got a lot to learn, but I think, you know, just from a, he's like one of those guys that can just go play a bunch of stuff. Like you can just throw him out on the baseball field and he's going to do well. I think the problem with ace whitehead is he doesn't really have a home yet. He doesn't really know if he's going to be a pitcher, if he's going to be a hitter and, and, and an outfielder. Uh, and so for me, for Ace Whitehead to truly reach his potential, I feel like David Pierce is going to have to make a decision with him and say, you know, you're going to be a pitcher or you're going to be a, a, a lineup type guy. I don't know what he's going to choose. I think I, I, I kind of think he's going to be the Tuesday starter next week. So, uh, you know, if you're looking at it from that perspective, if that comes true, then it seems like Pierce has made a decision. But, but again, I think, you know, for Ace Whitehead, he, they got to figure out what they're going to do with him uh, and, and let him focus on something because it's hard to be uh, – you can't be an expert on everything, and it's hard to be a, a, a jack-of-all-trades in baseball. So they're going to really have to help this kid out and get him a position – David Pierce, let him either be in that lineup or let him stay out in the bullpen and learn how to pitch. You got to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Click on that little bell and get notifications. You can find me on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, at Horns Takes. Horn Takes, not Horns Takes. And then you can email me at horntakespodcast at gmail.com with all your questions, comments, criticisms, and concerns. I love them all. Hook them. You guys have a good weekend. We'll see you on Sunday.